Once again darkness falls on the earth. The nights draw in, tis the season of decay. Leaves turn and fall, the rot sets in. I gather the congregation, you, my faithful acolytes of the Library of the Damned. Welcome and Happy Halloween. Once again we celebrate by perusing the shelves and selecting the best accursed tomes with which to celebrate this time. Who's this? Somebody new joins our congregation of ghouls and lost souls. Hello? I don't remember ever seeing you in my library previously. I took a left at Albuquerque. You must be one of the regular Ace Comicals hosts. Yes, so uh, here we are again for Halloween, and uh, we've brought you some spooky comics to talk about. I am the Loft Dweller, and I am joined this evening by Leon. And uh, the first book on our list is going to be Joe Golem, a cult detective. So, straight into the comics. Joe Golem, The Rat Catcher and The Sunken Dead, Volume 1, which is one that I chose. I should mention, by the way, that uh, we are going to have a rating system for the Halloween books. So, we've got four terrifying tales of supernatural and uh, horrifying events, and... Um, each tale is going to be rated jack-o'-lanterns out of five by myself and Leon, and then at the end we are going to pick a favourite each. So we're beginning with Joe Golem and the rack, uh, Joe Golem, the Rat Catcher, and the Sunken Dead. So Joe Golem is a novel. It, it, well, Joe Golem is a franchise of novels and comics by uh, creators Mike Mignola and uh, Christopher Golden. It's originally a short story and then an illustrated novel before becoming a comic and being published as a comic between 2015 and 2019. Um, and uh, it's part of the uh, Outerverse, which also encompasses the Baltimore comics and novels. So it's a pulpy occult detective story, a classic pulp detective, but with a supernatural twist, uh, horror and occult elements sort of punctuate the book, woven in in a way that I think only Mike Mignola can uh, can achieve, like he does with the, um, the really cool Hellboy stuff and um, other things that he's written. Um, Leon, let's get your thoughts on this straight away, first of all. So what did you make of Joe Golem? Because I know you like your pulp detective stuff, and um, this is like spooky pulp detective, so it's kind of like a marrying of themes. Yeah, it is. This grabbed me straight away because I really, you know me, I'm a sucker for like uh, noir, but I'm also a sucker for like New York-style noir and like period New York stuff. So this is all of that combined. And then even better... It has uh, a taste of the supernatural, a connection to like old world supernatural stuff, all married together in a uh, nice gumshoe story. It looks great. It has such a, a mood to it, as you'd expect with these, especially starting with a bit of lore. And like the, the image is this overcastness that you can almost feel as you're reading it, the teardrops just uh, hitting you in the face and sideways rain. And I could hear a faint bit of jazz <laughs> coming from the page. It was, it was jazz, but it was, it was graveyard jazz yeah. played by, <laughs> played by disembodied limbs. <laughs> and uh, it has like a really, uh, despite like there being supernatural elements to it, there's, quite a lot of humanity here and a, and a lot of get, getting an idea of, of the world, especially the, the New York world with very little exposition and a lot of just character interactions as Joe goes about trying to get deeper into, into this. Like all, all of that comes together and, and works in a way that makes it quite the page turner. And I love anything to do with like Golem. So having that element of the story and, and history and stuff in there made it very, um, add a lot of, of color and a lot of uh, texture to the story. Yeah. It's, um, it's really cool. And it's very, very Mignola and it's, 
it's almost like it's like Hellboy, but it's basically you can imagine Hellboy popping up at any point. Yeah, definitely. in this story, just showing up, <laughs> like as as part of the proceedings. Um, it's alt history, so it's like Lower Manhattan has been submerged after a disaster, like forty years prior to when the story takes place. Um, it stretches back further than that, though. The story goes back further to, well, you know, like. Is it spoilers to say the origins of Joe Golem himself? Um, the bulk of the adventure takes place in the 60s and 70s and um, in this sort of flooded Manhattan. It's rife with supernatural and occult activity. And I really do love the noir styling and the shadowy, sometimes bleak realism. It's cold, cold light. It's grey. It's drab. It's hard. It's like the perfect fusion of Detective Pulp and Occult Tales, like I've been saying. It's a really interesting world that's been crafted and it's it's perfect for this time of year, basically. And it's kind of like taking the thing that Hellboy does and taking it one step further and like fully realising the kind of pulpy detective side of things that Daredevil... Uh, Daredevil? Uh, Hellboy even <laughs> gets at. <laughs> Daredevil? Where did that come from? Yeah, um, they're both red. It's fine. One's hornier than the other. But yeah, like, um, I just, you know, like I think I think it takes the Hellboy thing and it's kind of like realising that a step further in the direction that Hellboy would go. Because Hellboy's always, already kind of like halfway there, isn't he? In the Big Mac and everything else. And this is just like one, one step beyond that, I think. And uh, it's kind of really cool. Bit of Mignola, can't go wrong with that at this time of year. And um, yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous book. And uh, I mean, that's just volume one. There's plenty of it out there. There's loads of Joe Golem tales to get into. So um, I've got the rest of them ready to read on my Kindle, actually. Just haven't gotten round to them yet. Yeah, um, I saw them when I was looking in the store. Uh, yeah. So where does this fall in, in that canon? So this is the one that we read is like the first Joe Golem one. So they're all like self-contained, like each book has self-contained pulpy Joe Golem mm. tales in. So it's like it's like the old like an old series of detective novels or something like that. Yeah, because I was wondering if if this was the first or if the this was like we've done three and let's go back and and no. find out a bit more about the man. No, this is the first one. Okay, cool. Yeah, and then they go on from there. And I think I think um, one of the others is actually. Um, uh, I think one of the other ones might actually be uh, a little bit more like it kind of like it's like a retelling of previously published stuff so I think it contains some stuff from um, the previous uh, maybe the previous novels and short stories hmm. uh, which is kind of cool but yeah um, in fact I will if I can find out which one that is I was going to say while you while you're doing that, I just want to like touch on the um, the location again because of that event, which has led to like parts of the Lower Manhattan basically falling into the Hudson. You do get these really cool. I was going to say shots, really cool panels, and I guess like locations because you've got buildings and storefronts and stuff just sat there like an Atlantis under the sea. It is so striking. It always reminds me of things like, whether it be like Futurama or the movie AI or like this indie game demo I saw like a couple of years ago where you dive into into a metropolis, but like this skyscraper is under sea. And it's something so evocative about that image. And uh, I think part of it is because it is an element of it is our dark future if we do nothing about uh, climate change. But also because there's such a like a cool visual of like underwater cities, but also like nature reclaiming the modern. That clash just makes it such a uh, inviting image. Yeah, totally. Um, and I can't, for the life of me, find out which book it is. But I'm sure it's one of them. And I read somewhere that one of them is like um, a kind of uh, a. a a sort of like a, a collection of previously published stuff and I can't remember but yeah um but go check it all out because it's all great anyway regardless of what fits where and how it's all fantastic so I don't think it really matters that much 
But yeah, um, just me being a stickler for accuracy's sake, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, go check it out anyway. It's a great book. It's worth your time, 100%. If you like Hellboy, if you like Mignola, um, if you like um, Christopher Golden, um, who in his own right is an absolutely fantastic author, you should check out some of his novels, actually. He's written some great stuff. But all of this is, is fantastic. So yeah. Uh, so that is Joe Golem, Occult Detective, The Ratcatcher and the Sunken Dead. So that's volume one. Um, and this is written by Mignola and Christopher Golden. Um, art is by Patrick Reynolds. That's colours by Dave Stewart. Uh, letters by Clem Robbins. And cover and chapter break art is by Dave Palumbo. And that's like these really gorgeous, pulpy um, paintings that you get between chapters that are just kind of like big... I think these were used as cover art as well. So if you look for the original single issues, it's going to have Dave Palumbo for covers, I think. Um, but yeah, that is a, a great one. That is uh, Joe Golem, a cult detective. And that kicks us off for Halloween. So Jack-O-Lantern's out of five, Leon. I'm going to give this a nice, I was going to say nice and meaty for Jack-O-Lanterns. Yeah, I'm thinking um, three and some pulp. So like three uh, and if half. we if we can do halves, hmm, okay. Because <laughs> I was thinking I'd do three and a half, but you never find half of a jack o' lantern. Well, no, no, but I'm just thinking about like what we've got coming after it. It's true. And like I'm trying to weigh it against everything else. So I'm gonna go. Th- I'm gonna go conservative three and a half for now. Okay, if um, I can slice one of my jack o' lanterns, I'll go three yeah. and a half as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just get you get your big old. Uh, Michael Myers knife and just hack yeah. through, cut that jack o' lantern in half. Next on the list is um, another one that I've chosen A Vampire Tale Brothers Dracul. So, this one was uh, published by Aftershock Comics and uh, is a historical horror, a reimagining of the story of Vlad the Impaler, as you will know him, also known as Vlad III or Vlad Dracul of Romania, part of the original inspiration for the vampire legends, along with other such historical figures uh, as um, the later Elizabeth Bathory, the Hungarian noblewoman and serial killer. So um, it's theorized that this is where the vampire legends came from uh in that part of the world so vlad being the uh voivod of wallachia um as vlad the impaler vlad the third um i hope i've pronounced those words correctly if i haven't i'm sorry um and uh it's kind of like the combination of him being an absolute bloodthirsty tyrant and the exploits of Elizabeth Bathory that kind of gave birth to the vampire legend. And what's really interesting about this book is it takes that and runs with it and does something a little different with it. So this book focuses on the time uh, when Vlad and his brother were prisoners of the Ottoman Empire. Um, as a, There was a period of time when Vlad, um, as, a, as a young man, was a prisoner of the Ottoman Empire with his brother. And um, this is like asking the question, what if, right, the whole vampire thing comes from the fact that they were trained as vampire hunters during that time, right? <laughs> so here we go. Meaty historical horror with visceral blood, uh, visceral blood-soaked meaty historical horror. Like, I love the design and the graphic animated quality of the art here. And some of the action sequences are literally to die for. Um, yeah, so Leon... What do you reckon? Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. I really like the look of it. It's quite punchy. It, it doesn't have that historical muted thing. Instead, it the art jumps off the page. And again, it's, an, it's another period piece that manages to be propulsive and mm. also a page turner. Again, it's a fun art history thing. Or is it? Yeah, I really like it because you could easily, like with the locales, you could easily just fold this into some greys and some browns. But I like how colourful it is throughout as we watch these uh, two brothers be part of this this world that is not theirs, really, and have to interact with these people who generally conquered them 
and uh, and they're not seen as being being part of them. Yeah. And the wrinkle on top of that is having to deal with these undead beasts. So it it I think it it manages to up the drama and up the stakes in in, in a in a really cool way. And as we sort of progress through the story, they they manage to do a good job of doing that um, origin of a villain. Yeah, it does. It does feel very much like that. That origin of a villain vibe. Like, I like how in you know, like like you were saying about some historical stories, they they go for these like drab browns, and you know everything was caked in mud and generally quite shitty for people in those days. <laughs> so it's like it's all like various shades of dried blood, mud, and shit, right? Mm. But with this, they've they've gone. You know, it's actually got some color to it, and it's got some some bright vibrancy to it which i imagine you know like because they when people go for historical accuracy what they do is they go gritty and when you go for his you can this is a great example of being able to go for historical accuracy and nail it and not lose the fun um in the designs and in the way that the, the the comic appears and in the way that they represent this period of time and this world and these people um and it is it's pretty cool like i love how the whole story plays out and the evolution of the vampire a feral a feral crate cr- can't speak now a feral cave dwelling light shunning creature eating flesh and drinking blood and it's such a fierce design it's almost lupine it's almost like a werewolf mm. it's like the middle ground between werewolf and vampire and then they uh, they go from that to classic vampire, where it's um, or vampire, as they say in this book, um, which is kind of like the more human looking. Um, and it's like it's like the evolution of the vampire plays out during the pages of this novel. Um, and yeah, we we get the forming of of Vlad the Impaler. We get to see the things, the traumas that made him Vlad the Impaler. And uh, I guess this isn't spoilers to say this, but by the end of it, you'll be left with a, a very, very big question. Um, and uh, I mean, this is actually, this is labelled as volume one. So I'm figuring they're going to come back and make more. And I really hope they do. Um, and I just love the idea of the reimagining of the legend of Vlad the Impaler and the forging of Vlad the Third or Vlad the Impaler, whatever you want to call him. Um, and I mean, like, even, even without the vampire stuff, like his name's cool enough anyway, like Vlad Dracul, <laughs> like the dragon, Vlad the dragon, like, damn. <laughs> yeah. And like that the name. way, the way it, it like opens as well, which is, this is the first couple of pages mm. is very striking as we're like in this snow-covered landscape and there's just a stench on the air before we see like the namesakes uh yeah just loads of impaled bodies uh, and and like a castle on 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 a on a hill yeah it's it's so striking because it it does remind me of elements of apocalypse now which is obviously itself inspired the whole come to meet the guy and you you go through all the people who you, you see all the damage in that person's wake before you you meet the person. And you're like, are you are you yeah. good? Like, what 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 the hell's happened here? Sitting on a, a throne of blood on a pile of skulls. What's yeah. that that Vigo the Carpathian quote from Ghostbusters, um, where he's like, I sit on a in something something. I sit on a throne of blood. What once was was will be again or something i can't remember <laughs> when he i think he's talking i think it's when he's talking to janosh i can't remember exactly but yeah uh go watch ghostbusters too. <laughs> but there's a lot of that apocalypse now type stuff going on in it when we get to see these medieval battlefields through parts of it um some of the pages where it's just like literally just blood soaked ground and people being torn to shreds by various medieval implements of death and then like the real horror in it is just the way people used to treat each other back then. <laughs> it's not even the vampires. It's just like, but yeah, it's, um, it's a cool story. I love it. Another detail I really like is how all the faces are like 
they're like lined to wrinkled bruised and scarred in very quite realistic ways where it's like these people fight like these people have yeah. been through many battles and wars you their stories are on their faces so to speak yeah there's lo- like lines on everyone's faces no one's pretty <laughs> it's great next on our list is a book that explores the darkness of dreams a tale called tremodos now tremodos this is one that i happened across by chance on comicsology um and um this is a complete nightmare feel but before we do that actually um we should actually rate uh, brothers dracul shouldn't we because we... so jackalanton's out of five for brothers dracul leon I might go free Jack Lantern. Three for this one. See, for me, I'm gonna give this a four. I don't I I I kind of vibed with this more than I vibe I mean I love Joe Golem, but I think I vibed with this a little more than Joe Golem. So where Joe Golem got three and a half, this gets four. Yeah, I can see that. It's more Yeah. Like it's more to like the Greg wheelhouse. Yeah, I can see why Joe Golem's more your taste, but I think Brothers Dracul is, is more for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're on to Tremodos now. So this is a psychological nightmare thriller, is the best way I can describe this. Um, the horror of dreams, the idea of autonomy of dreams, and, and are our dreams our own? Um, people are invading each other's dreams in this book it's, it's it, it, like and and like the invasion of each other's intensely private space like your dreams are your dreams like they're supposed to be yours and no one else's so how do you reconcile that i don't know um but it's it's um it's probably one of the creepiest things i've read this year actually <laughs> like and that's i think that might just be the artwork cuz it's it's very 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 um really does like stick with you like there are faces in this book um that i they're just etched on my mind now like can't get rid of them um so this is dreams the mind like what if your mind is not like the 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 the, the horror here and the fear here is like what if your mind isn't the impenetrable fortress you thought it was like the existential existential terror and the horror of, of invasive, intrusive presence, you know, in your head and whatever else. And it's just like the unbridled power of dreams and the fear of your own subconscious and the fear of your own inner thoughts and feelings and intrusive thoughts. Um, and it is told through these haunting black and white images, which are really disturbing, really unsettling, really strange and really unnerving. Um, it's, rendered in pencil watercolor like mixed media artwork which is it's like pencil watercolor acrylic and ink so it's like the four <laughs> horsemen um <laughs> so like they use all of it um and uh i just quickly roll the credits at the top for this one so this is um tremidos by michael comrad and uh, noah bailey and this is published by comicsology so leon your thoughts on uh tremidos I had a really good time with this book. A really good time. Like you said, like just the look of it immediately is is super striking. And going through these first couple of pages and being introduced to there's all these little details and the, this general like session where these two they're like research students or something. Yeah, aren't they? yeah, yeah. They're speaking with. Uh, a character who has seen one of their signs, which is, um, have you seen this person? Uh, have you dreamed this man? And uh, because it, it feels like they are looking into, because, um, you know, like these, these like research grant study things, like uh, all types of like weird and wonderful things, where it's like what people's sleep patterns are and, all these different things. So it, it doesn't feel that out of the realm of possibility to um, to like get everyone 
get people together to see if they've uh, dreamed the same face. Like it, it could be a thing where they could be trying to find out about suggestion and blah, 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 blah. But anyway, they're having a meeting. It's been recorded and they are trying to find out. And, and we're with, uh, it's Jin, Jin, right? Jin Morris? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they they are trying to find out what what uh what was the context in these dreams for seeing this face, and it all starts off like quite quite weird but quite um quite shrinky, yeah like it all all makes sense. It's like yeah quite psychological trying like like they're getting into the i what what would cause this and just trying to get the data down of like what was going on and. When when this face appeared and like oh it's happened in multiple dreams okay tell us more about it more about it and we're we're getting into like recollections of dreams and man the face is so scary yeah yeah <laughs> it, it is the literal stuff of nightmares yeah it it truly is like go, going for all of that stuff that's what was striking because all the dream stuff is really was really interesting by itself because. Um, it's almost like this, the character is trying to like work out a bit of trauma, um, and this stuff is like side where it's like, yeah, and I've also seen this face, but I had to see this thing and I had this thing, and it it seemed like uh, like it was trying to help, blah blah blah. But then, um, man, things things escalate and take a turn, and it it takes. Basically, it takes turns that had me dying to find out what was happening next. And yeah. it became a true, true, true page turner where I just wanted to see what what new, weird and wonderful thing, what what interesting concept that the uh, the team were going to pull out next. And um, all of that is accompanied by this great, mostly like black and white artwork, which... Uh, you know me on this. I'm always going on about facial expressions and stuff, and like the yeah. uh, so many like really. I, as you as you were saying, Greg, like the image is burnt into your brain. Like there's so many yeah. just just normal character faces. Their expressions are rendered like so well. It it almost becomes a uh, I don't know. Like I, I I can feel I can I can feel what they're tugging at because mm. one of the Rob, I really like a lot of dream stuff in there, uh, like dream fiction. And one of the problems you can get with dream fiction is there's a cliche type of dream thing where it's like, uh, like a lot of TV shows and stuff use this or, or like uh, movies use it where it's like to give us some information or to have a fun time doing something weird with, and, and you hint at some subconscious stuff for us. But like, that's never been my experience of dream stuff. My, my like my dream stuff is like oh no, obviously you get the other one where it's like oh you can do cool stuff because it's a dream or like oh this person died but they didn't because it was a dream. But like my dream stuff is more like the uh, the barriers between reality are broken and you go from like one sequence where it might be something mundane like often dreaming about like work or something like that and then suddenly you're in a memory from when you were a child and then suddenly. Uh, it's yeah. like you're on holiday uh, like last year and like it just it just morphs and characters morph and like the, the, everything is just ma- not magical because it all feels normal but it's just this this intangible amorphous feel to it yeah yeah and I think this captures the idea while, while not going like full like paprika on us or anything like that it does capture uh, that that element but also mm. the um those dreams that you were or like nightmares that you wake up from and they they got you like because it was a memory about someone or something or some situation or it was just your subconscious like reminding you of, a, of like self-failing or something like that or, or it's just a, a general thing that you're scared of like it manages to capture those real the feelings and emotions behind the dreams as well as the the cool imagery that you can get with dreams and yeah. um yeah like this this had me it, it had me in i was uh i was hooked throughout yeah it, it gets more and more haunting and surreal as you fall deeper into that rabbit hole it really does and it just gets weirder and weirder and weirder and it gets very 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 like um 
disturbing in a very everything kind of way. Do you remember the book Everything? Chris Cantwell? Yep. Christopher Cantwell? Yeah, it, it, I won't say any more than that. <laughs> um, but it just, it really does, like... And then you get to the point where it's like, where does one dream end and another begin? And then, like, there's clowns and there's hypno-abysmal and you're drinking the hypno-abysmal <laughs> and you, you're vomiting dogs and babies and statues of the virgin mary i don't know like it's just yeah oh yeah you just fall deeper into that hole and, and you just once you begin reading it it's near impossible to put it down it really is like i i read the whole thing in one sitting i had to yeah. i had no choice um and it is very much the horror that exists inside our own minds and souls and the fact that like the the just the uh, t- on top of that, the horror of the desecration of, like, your last bastion of freedom, which would be your own mind, I guess. Like, y- you are at the mercy of, um... Well, I, gu- I guess it's a, it's one of those things where it's like, opinions will differ, but in, in my mind, you are at the mercy of outside influences everywhere, but when you're in your own head. But even then, I guess you are at the mercy of outside influences there as well. And that's the question. And that's what's so weird and creepy about it. Like the fact that someone can invade you to that level is weird. Yeah, because yeah, because it really does. You do have that feeling of as of the sort of breaking of boundaries that can happen just in one's own subconscious going from like element of a dream to element of a dream. The idea of losing the sanctity of that and like you say like being hacked basically would be like the idea it, it, it like it's so so invasive like i i reckon most people would prefer their like emails got hacked than than their dreams <laughs> oh, absolutely absolutely <laughs> please yeah and that's not an invitation <laughs> You need to get that, like, five factor for your dreams. I know, man. <laughs> I do now, anyway, after reading this. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, that is... Uh, that is Tremodos, and I, I fully recommend you pick that up because it's there. Um, and it's available on Comixology, and it's really good. And um, It's an original, wasn't it? Comixology original, yeah. And I think yeah. the same team... Uh, did another book that I've got ready, loaded and ready to read called Double Walker from the same creative team. Sweet. Um, another Comixology original, another weirdy horror book um, by Michael W. Conrad and Noah Bailey. Um, so, yeah, I I feel like if you enjoy that, um, I'm, I'm really, I'm flicking through Double Walker now. I, I'm going to read it after this cast, but I'm really, really getting on it. So Loftweller approved both of those. Um, and uh, it's a full five jack-o'-lanterns from the Loftweller for that one, I think. Yeah, I'm going to that... have to, to join, join the Loftweller of this. Yeah, that really will get in your head. So for, for this, for this Halloween read it at night and it's a full five jack-o'-lanterns out of five and the last one on our list this evening um the last dusty tome that the loft dweller is going to pull from the shelves of the library of the damned um behold my acolytes I bring you Vicious Creatures, an anthology, Nine Tales of Woe and Misadventure, as the book puts it on the cover. Um, And this is nine beautifully dark stories of gothic folk horror, um, sort of drawing from, in my opinion, the literary tradition of dark romanticism, kind of in that Poe-esque way. I guess uh, for some of it is the way that I could describe it to you if you wanted a a touchstone or a barometer for what it is. Um, But nonetheless, it is fantastic and it is great. So this is a collection of stories that expose us to the dark with no room for flinching. And uh, it makes us examine human nature through this lens. Um, And it's... The art is a, it's a book full of gorgeously expressionistic art. It's flowing beautiful lines and shapes and shadows that dance behind flames. And it's just 
I love the look and the design of the whole thing. Um, the central figures in the stories and the characters. It looks like chalk and charcoal, which adds to the ethereal folktale atmosphere that the whole thing has. It has that ethereal folktale, um, you know, fables thing going on. But at the same time, it's also like that gothic folk horror. And it really is like in that in the tradition of gothic romanticism, I think. Um, so, I mean, this one is actually uh, I've had this a, a long time um, and I've read it. This is like the probably the second time I've this is the second time I've read it now. And I thought I would uh, talk about it finally on the cast because it's a good point to talk about it. Um, what better time to discuss a book like this than at Halloween? Um and uh yeah so it finally got its time it finally finally got its air so to speak because i've been sitting on this for a while so leon what do you think of this yeah i i i um i thought this like collection was really i think it, it's effectively morbid <laughs> you know what i mean like it, yeah I, I think it's p- picked some like really interesting topics it's focused um on characters in fr- throughout history and who are in certain, I guess, interesting parts of their, their lives, and then it's just dropped chaos on them. And because of their natures of short stories, it's it it does the really effective thing of introducing you to scenario, the people, and then dropping in the catalyst and 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 letting you see what happens, while also touching on a lot of um, in, in, intriguing ideas going for it. But yeah, I, I I quite like this. I uh, really like the look. It has that sort of wild, sort of sketchy look, where it's uh, it's almost like using like thicker, like a thicker point uh, at times. So like mm. you get these really like lined up, uh, ex- expressive people. You've got these like really effective uses of dashes of color especially like red blood and stuff throughout mm. like um like having there's like lots of times where like negative space is used throughout and um where it like either isolates the character or just surrounds them with like smoke and clouds and throughout the different stories which are, are quite different in 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 their in everything really but they all share this this like, horrors of man dread in in there to different degrees which i quite like yeah for sure um i mean like the whole thing really is like this this like the the negative space you talk about it is like the void it's like these characters are are inhabiting the void and you know trying their best to survive in the void <laughs> Uh, and it's it's great how how it works out and how some of these stories play out and and I have a list of favorites actually but before I get onto that I just love um, that most of the stories are actually like a meditation on society specifically from the standpoint of a woman and there's a lot of like karmic retribution in there um, so on top of the um, on on top of all the 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 the, the horror and the, the the woe and the more the morbidness of the whole thing it's like there's like a layer of like a, these stories always end in some kind of karmic retribution which is kind of cool um and i i feel that it's also um a, a commentary on kind of like systemic misogynistic ideas um which is refreshing and it makes the stories all the more powerful i think when you read it I also love that some of the ink used in the book is made using the ashen remains of an owl effigy <laughs> uh, made of wicker, which was um, made and then burned by Sarah and her friends. So Sarah, the um, the the person who wrote this, um, Sarah Gordon, uh, I should say, Sarah Gordon is the writer and artist behind the whole book. So her and her friends burned this this wicker owl. And um, it had like letters and pictures that were sent in by Kickstarter backers for the book uh, in a tin. And they were like offerings that were kept secret and uh, placed inside the owl. It was kind of like burned as a kind of ritual and a blessing. And then some of the uh, ash was used in the ink to make it. So to add to that, like another layer of folk horror to add to it. Um, 
and it just really is the cherry on top of the Sunday, really. That yeah, because it's quite thematic as well. So it's great when you get to the end, and it for me that it's essentially another short story, another chapter in a way. Like yeah. seeing the images of it all coming together, it's quite cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, so my favourites on this one. So there's nine stories. Um, if I just give you the titles of the nine. So we have, um, do, 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 do. flicking back to the beginning of the book so I can read to you. Uh, we have Queen Rat, A Broken Thing, The Salisbury Owl, The Lantern, Good Fortune, Bat Society, Sweetness, Mud, Darling, um, and then Page of Ashes and Making of which are sort of like two of the kind of like endy chapter type things for this. So my um, my favourite stories, so the stories are, um, yeah, Darling, Mud, Sweetness, Bat Society, Good Fortune, The Lantern, Salisbury Owl, Broken Thing, The Queen Rat. And my favourites, my three favourites are The Lantern, which is kind of like a gothic love story slash ghost story. And uh, that's one of my favourites in here. Um, I like The Salisbury Owl. <laughs> <laughs> which is like this strange anxiety ridden dread monster of a story. I love it because it made me like tweak. It really did. <laughs> it's like, cause I'm thinking like, Oh hell, like, you know, to be in that position is horrible. Like and mud as well. Cause it has this like kind of like strange unsettling thing going on with this kind of like cultishness thing. And that I think mud is like pure folk horror. Um, yeah. 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 Um, you got any favourites from there? Yeah, I do. There's a bit of overlap. Um, in order, I really well in order of how they come in the book. I really like a broken thing. Yeah, I think that is such a. It's a, it's one of those like stories where it's not didactic, but it's very clear. Yeah, it, what its uh, subtext can be, and I like a lot of the time in fiction. We, we spend a lot of time with relationships that are romantic in nature. And uh, especially when it's to do with like the forming of a relationship and then the the end of a relationship. And I, I think that a broken thing is so effective in showing that from a plutonic standpoint where sort of falling into a relationship with a friend and then parting ways because on some degree there's like you, you you had a set time that you were meant to overlap but otherwise there's just so many differences in like the way that you see the world that one of you can't help the other or or like vice versa and i think that that is rendered like so well and the uh the like the the like sort of metaphor there and the general um uh, magical realism of it where like the uh the crow just becomes like a, a lady uh but there's all these all these things where they're like it's good and they're like hanging out and stuff because like the the lady who lives at the house is she's she's alone and uh how like you go through all these different stages where you're like suddenly you're, you're annoying each other and then it's like, but but if you go back and look throughout, that the, there's just a level where you're not sinking on mm. on a certain thing. And there's times where uh, the uh, crow lady is just so um, so impossible as like <laughs> as like a friend or like housemate. Uh, where like there's a bit where they're like doing bird song and at like four in the morning, and it's like, what the hell, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to sleep, and it's like, uh, it's like, can you like keep it down? And it's like it's the dawn chorus, so um, no, we're not gonna yeah, stop. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bird thing. You wouldn't understand. And it's like, <laughs> but then the other elements of like, you just uh, just different little things where like trying to stop a threat, help a friend who's like part of an abusive relationship or something like that, and you just you can't make them not be part of that but it, it's still mega painful to sort of be a bystander. Yeah. So like, yeah, I, I, uh, like, I really like that one not to go 
I didn't mean to go too too deep into that one, but like yeah, I really like that story. I really like um, the Salisbury Owl. Yeah, like uh, uh, that one is just such a great idea, and it's like I think that's I can't remember what the other book was, but I'm sure in recent times we've we've covered another book where uh, it features someone who's went to Central Saint Martin's the art school. <laughs> I can't remember what book it was. It was super recent though, but oh, like uh, um, it, oh. Oh, it was just just in the previous episode, and it's on the tip of my tongue, and I'll tell you in a minute. Um, anyway, <laughs> you carry on, and I'll find it for you. Oh, um, yeah, like... go. I've got it. Don't worry. It's um, sour pickles. Ah, uh, yes, of course, of course, yeah. 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 <laughs> but like, I I do love the like because this it kind of elements of that story kind of like uh, scratch the same itch of like sour pickles where it's the. Um, sort of the like like what is your future in art type thing and like watching other people who have like a privilege of, of what whatever thing seemingly just like doing better than you uh and like all that worrying of like and this this is beyond art and so this is like just imposter syndrome as a thing anyway where it's like I've been doing this for like 10 years and this other person I know who's been doing it for 10 years, like super successful and stuff like that. It's like, am I like, is it just not for me? Am I not meant to be doing this type of thing? And like those sort of identity crises things, mm. like it covers a lot of that, but I love where this goes and how it, how it, um, how it just devolves and devolves and it becomes almost like a psychological horror at one stage. And it's just, yeah. uh, yeah, it's it's such a nice tight story that uh, gets into a lot of in, uh, insecurities that a lot of us share, whether we're uh, trying to make it or not. But it, it is like brutal and unflinching. Um, yeah. And then the other one that I really like is Mud, also because, uh, like you said, it's pure folk horror, and I just love. I'm not going to go like say exactly what happens, but like I love when there is just a rabbit hole of just i can't even think i'm trying to think of words that wouldn't uh <laughs> like I, I that won't spoil it but i guess like just a rapturous delirium is, yeah. a, is, a, is a way to put it yeah where it gives me vibes of like um either like a, a damned festival or like a black sabbath almost and yeah, totally yeah, and it but it, it just like reality reality like loses a grip on the people and involved, and it just becomes this next level thing. But then, what runs throughout this that I think is really awesome is that uh, with all the magical realism or just the straight up fantasy stuff, there's a boom savage like uh, like real human element to it, yeah. and I like how that human element in this. Book, uh, not even bookends, but is on both sides of this mm. and and following that stuff, and it's just like, oh, it's like it's an extra like wrinkle that, like, sort of hits the message home with with, with it uh, um, a lot more effectively. So like that that story really really worked for me. Yeah, I I have very very similar reasons for liking it, and um, it's just I like, it. I mean. All of them, all of the stories in the book are really good, but like, I mean, the one, the one that isn't overlapping our our list of favorites. Mine, I like the lantern, and I think I like it because it's like the classic ghost story, and I like the the synchronicity in it and everything else. Um, I don't know why things like that work for me. Like they do, they just do. Uh, <laughs> I just really enjoyed like the whole fire thing, and yeah, oh, I just it looks so gorgeous as well. It's one of the prettiest ones. Yeah, because um, that that's one that plays yeah. really well with a lot of the sort of shadow negative yeah. space darkness yeah it's it's right well, i think it's that and the fact that i've because i've been reading um the me you love in the dark as well mm. and it kind of i don't know it has like a similar vibe to that because it's like the writer um like trying to find inspiration going to some old house and meeting a ghost <laughs> um so yeah it's it's uh it's very cool um all of it's very cool and i think that is our final one 
um, for our list of Halloween tales. So that has been uh, four Halloween books for you to sink your teeth into and... Uh, but what is your rating? Draw blood from, yes. What is my rating? So for Vicious Creatures, I will give that a... Um, a, I think I'm going to give that a five jack-o'-lanterns out of five as well. What do you think? I'll probably give this a four. If it was solely on like uh, the stories that I mentioned plus a handful of more, then maybe I'd be pushing a five. But I think all over, uh, I'll probably give it a solid four. Mm. Yeah, I can I can see that. I can see your reasoning. But I'm, I'm going to go for five jack-o'-lanterns out of five for that because I really did enjoy it. Um, and that has been the Ace Comicals Halloween special this year. That has been Afterlife Comicals 3. And as we draw to a close, enjoy yourselves this Halloween, my acolytes. Um, and uh, yes, that has been our time in the Library of the Damned this year. Uh, you can find us um, in our usual um, tomb at www.acecomicals.com where you can find uh, in the catacombs of this website you can find everything we do and everywhere we are available um, we are most active on Twitter so uh, summon up your Ouija board and uh, at us, DM us um, get involved in the conversation uh, if you decide to pick up and read some of the books that we are uh, talking about today then, then get involved in the conversation tell us um because we'd love to know what you think um leon where can we find you you can find me at twitter at leon everett and you can find me the loft dweller on twitter at bato that's b-a-t-t-o-u and you can find us on twitter at ace comicals um so yes that has been ace comicals afterlife comicals three that's uh ace comicals over and out